You're in uh, Psalm 57. Your Bible is one book <clears throat> with 66 books inside. Uh, the first 39 books in the Bible were written before Jesus came, and the last 27 were written after Jesus went back to heaven. The theme of the Bible is how can sinners like us be reconciled with the holy God, who's not a sinner? That's the theme of the Bible. It's reconciliation. God loves us, and he doesn't want us to go into eternity without him. One hundred years from this very moment, all that's going to matter is where you live, in heaven with God or in hell without him. God wants you and I to live with him in heaven forever, and that's why he gave us the Bible. See, the Bible tells you that you can know for sure, 100 percent, that you will live with God forever. It's the beauty of the Bible. No other religious books can tell you that. Ask any other religious person, can you know for sure? No, they cannot. I was sitting with my friend David on the plane yesterday, and he was talking to me about his paradigms of religion. And he wasn't really open to mine because it was exclusive. He said, you know what? I don't, I don't appreciate anybody who will tell me there's only one way. But I'm telling you, the Bible says there's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the way, he's the truth, he's the life, except no counterfeit. And the Bible tells us that. Well, the Bible's given us for many reasons, but number one, so that we can know how to be saved. Uh, Apostle Paul told Timothy that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Um, I'm so glad that, that parents bring their children to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service. I'm glad my dad insisted that we be there. We got to church most of the time before the janitor opened the door, waited in our car, and he, he was insistent that we be in our place. And it was a Sunday night that God really dealt with my heart uh, about salvation. I'm so glad my parents, I didn't drive myself, my parents took me there. But from the Bible, and by the way, moms and dads who bring your children to church, God bless you. Good job. Way to go. But the word of God's given us so we know how to be saved. Number two is so we know how to be successful. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You know, anyone who gets in the Bible, the Bible gets in them. And what you do with the contents of the Bible after you're saved determines what God does with you. And uh, it, it's given to us for to be successful. You read the book of Proverbs, you study uh, the, the wisdom of God, and you will benefit from that. You obey the Bible principles, and it will work. You become a generous person like God wants you to be. God will be generous to you. You, you obey the, the doctrines of holiness and moral purity, you decide, I'm not going to be a pervert. I'm not going to be a fornicator. No, I'm not. I'm going to be pure and clean. You will, believe, you will receive success that comes from the Lord. He, he, God gave us the Bible for salvation, for success. He gave it for seasoning or for maturity. God wants you and I to be mature, that we will be uh, perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished, have everything I need to be a dad, to be a husband, to be a friend, to be a neighbor, to handle problems and difficulties that will come my way. God leaves no stone unturned. 
And the more that I live and love and read and study and memorize and meditate and obey the Bible, the more maturity I have to face problems at work, at home. See, what we do with the Bible determines what God does with us. And this is very important. I'm amazed and I'm very blessed by seeing so many of you. And of course, this is one room that our church meets in. But across the street, there are over 1,000, 1,500 Spanish-speaking people. There's a Chinese service going on. There's two youth centers taking place, numerous junior churches, children's churches, nurseries. And then on our property here, but also on the north side of Chicago and at the property there, there's another 350 has been averaging there that go there now. And then in Cicero and Little Village and New Chicago and different locations throughout our community, people are attending church. But whenever you come to church, you're saying, I'm willing to be instructed from the Bible. That's really wise because it'll bring success to you, not just hearing it, but doing it. Um, it will bring, bring stability and seasoning and maturity. Mature people make better decisions than babies do. When you're spiritually mature, you have a relationship with the Bible. I hope many of you will read through your Bible as we face a new year. And I say a lot of this introductory information because I want us, as you start 2024, I want it to be the best year of your life. Amen. And it could be. It could be the year Jesus comes again. That'll be great. But if he doesn't come, and some of us sitting here today, we will have our funeral this year in 2024, without a doubt. Some of our precious friends here, and some of them are young, some of them will be, they're old, but we're going to be some funerals going through if, we, if, if any year is like any other year. So those people in 2023, they've met Jesus a little earlier than, than we will do. But you want to be able to know his word, and, and you want to have his success. You want to have his seasoning work in you. And you know what? You want to serve him. The word of God has given us so we can be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And I want to encourage all of you to do something with the Lord. Don't find yourself just watching the world go by. Don't. Every Christian ought to be involved in doing something with God. Find a place of service. If you're not sure what to do, please talk to me. Talk to Brother Eddie and say, what can I do through the local church to service God's eternal cause? Give aggressively. Be faithful. Provide your presence, your participation in the work of God. If you can fix a bus, fix a bus. If you can drive a bus, drive a bus. If you can work on a bus route, work on a bus route. If you can help your Sunday school teacher uh, bring more people to the Lord, do that. If you can go soul winning, go. If you can be a part of Saturday soul winning meeting, do that. If, you, if you're asked to, to serve the Lord as a deacon or a deacon's wife, if that's something you can do, it's very honorable to do that. Consider it. If you can sing in the choir, sing in the choir. If you can be an usher, be an usher. Find out what God, if you can work in the nursery, work in the nursery. Do something with the Lord for his eternal cause. Because there is no reward for well done, thou good and faithful spectator. It's well done, thou good and faithful servant. And a relationship with the Bible not only shows me how to be saved, it shows me how to be successful, how to be mature or seasoned, how to be serving, engaged in the work of the Lord. And all of us want to have that. I want you to have it as well. One of the 66 books is the largest book of all the other books, and that's the book of Psalms. It's the song book. Songs are very powerful in our, in our culture. And God made it that way. 
Music is a gift from God. And of course, anything God gives, uh, the relationship between a man and his wife is a gift from God. But Satan likes to pervert it. Anything God gives is pure and right. Satan wants to pervert it. And music is one of those things. Some of the most beautiful things in the world are music. Some of the most perverse, wicked, vile things that happen, happen because of music. Music is a tool. A guy pulled up for me this week, and I could feel everything jargoning inside of me. I could probably handle that, but I couldn't handle the profanity that was coming out of that truck. I thought, good night. It's sick. It's filthy. It's gross. It's sad. I couldn't wait to pull away from that. Get away from that. But God put the largest book in the Bible as a songbook. And singing is not, a, it's not something we worship, but it's something that God made us to do, and he likes it. He sings. The stars sing. The things he makes sings, and you and I sing. Some of you may not like the singing of a church service. And I would just suggest you need to get to know God. You say, well, Pastor, I just can't sing. Well, you can't, may not be able to sing or carry a tune when a buckle with a bucket with a handle on it, but you still ought to sing. And God likes it. And then Psalm 51 is a song that was sung by a guy named David. David was responsible. He wasn't perfect. David, uh, he was guilty of adultery. David had a man killed. David had children that broke his heart, hurt him so bad. But he was a man who understood God's thinking and his feelings and his desires about things. And God let him, and God all he has to use is human beings that do dumb things and sinful things. And aren't you glad we have a God who is merciful and kind? And that failure is not a person, it's an an event. And you can fail and not be a failure, and you can mess up and God can still use. He can still draw a straight line with a crooked stick. That's all of our testimonies. If anyone here thinks, well, God uses me because I'm perfect, I'd like to meet you after the service. None of us are perfect. All of us are sinful beings. But God laid on the heart of this young man, and I think he probably wrote this, and most people believe, he, was, he wrote this, it's, it's probably in conjunction with 1 Samuel 24. In 1 Samuel 24, um, Saul has chasing David. He's chasing him. And he's frustrated because he loves Saul and he loves Jonathan and he loves the kingdom. He's already been anointed king, but he's not king. Saul's the king and Saul hates his guts and has vowed to destroy him. And he's chasing him and he finds that Saul comes in Psalms in 1 Samuel 24. He he makes his way. He takes 3,000 men to find uh, David. And uh, they, they go to the place where the wild goats are, and they find this little cave. And so they, all the men go into a cave. But what they do not know is that David and his smaller group are in that very same cave, but they're in the sides in the back of it. Saul and his men just come in just to, to lay down and cover their feet for the night after walking and then going and chasing him because he finds out he's out there. And so they just come and lay down. looks like to me they all conk out. They're probably after a long uh, pursuit. They get there. They're tired. How many have ever been really tired where you didn't even know what was going on? You just were out like a light. I imagine that's what these men looked like. And the men said, hey, 
There's your nemesis. There's Saul. He's laying right there by you. Take him. Kill him. You can kill him and you can be done with all of your problems and all this. You can have the kingdom. Come on, David, get him, get him. And David does goes over there. But he doesn't take his life, but he does take his coat and he cuts his coat off right here. He cuts it and he takes the cloth and he puts it in his pocket and he goes away and waits for the night to come and then Saul leaves. And when Saul gets a distance from the cave, he said, my king! He said, uh, is that you, David? That's yeah, me. He said, are you missing something? He holds up his end of his coat. He said, I got this for you. He looks down, he sees, that's my coat. You cut it off of me? You could have killed me and you didn't? He said, you're more righteous than me. I've given you nothing but bad, and you spared my life when you could have killed me. And he left him for the time being. A challenging story, but in that story, it seems to me that, Paul, that, uh, that David writes this particular psalm. For sake of time, we need to hasten. Let's go right there now, if we can, please. Psalm 57. He says, Lord, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, the shadow of thy wings shall I make my refuge until these calamities be what? He's in a bad way. And I think a, a, a passion for thee has to come with a recognition that there are problems that everyone faces. He said, these are some calamities. And Lord, until they get, I get through them and they overpass me, boy, am I going to need your mercy. We need your help. You know, he, he asked the Lord for help here because he had problems, calamities. Now, I, I don't know about you, but whatever calamities are, I want to be as far away from that concept as possible. It sounds like the sky is falling, doesn't it? He said, these calamities I'm going through, and he, he defines them. Look, if you would please, at verse number four. He says, my soul is among the lions. I lie even as among them, poetically speaking, that are set on fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth and spears and arrows and their tongues are sharp sword. They are ready to hurt me physically. They are ready to hurt my reputation with their words. Let's look if we can, please, at verse number six. They have prepared a net for thy steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me. In the midst thereof, they are fallen themselves. Selah. He says, boy, these are tough calamities. He's been threatened by Saul and his henchmen and, and those who are coming after him physically to harm him and then to hurt his reputation with their, with their words. And so we see here a little bit of a, the problems that he faces. Let's look secondly at the prayer that uh, fortified him. Would you look at verse 2 and read it out loud with me, would you please? I will cry unto God most high. One more time, everyone, read it out loud so your neighbor wakes up. Are you ready? Here we go. Some people talk in their sleep. I talk in other people's sleep. He says, I, I want you. He said, I, I'm going to cry upon you. By the way, when you hear the word cry in the Bible, it's not a, it's not a learned thing. Prayer is a learned thing. If you're going to be good, well, there's two things make you good at prayer, and that's practice and persistence. What makes us prayer, 
uh, pray is helplessness and faith. But here he didn't say, I pray, he says, I cry. You know, any old baby can cry. How many of you are good at crying? Yeah. And boy, whenever you find this in the Bible, when you find someone crying to the Lord, God heard them. When the children of Israel cried in their labors of, of Egypt, guess what? God sent the deliverer. When Bartimaeus cried on the side of the road, Jesus, thou son of, mercy, of, of David, have mercy on me. You know, God, Jesus had to stop. When someone asked him for help, he helps people. Aren't you glad you have a God like that? But this prayer fortified him. May I just say to you, friend, when you have problems that face you, and I have problems that face make prayer our first response, not our last resort. We've all said it. Well, all we can do now is pray. And that should have been our first response, Banky. We should have gone to that right away. We should have made that our first thing. Pray your way through problems. When you get that phone call that just alarms you, when you, you get that hurtful things, pray your way through the problem. Because he had a problem that faced him. But he had a prayer that fortified him. He said, Lord, unto thee will I cry. I'll cry out to you who performeth all things well for me. I want you to notice the third thing. Not only the problem that faced him and the prayer that fortified him, but I want you to notice this one, if you would, please. The purposes that, uh, that formed him. Look at verse 3, 2 again. Unto God that performeth all things for me. The word performeth means to complete or matures. I don't know about you, but I don't like problems. Matter of fact, I think I'm allergic to them. <laughs> I don't like pain. I don't like lessons. I want to just, you know, I, I, I love sitting here with the orchestra members when they play. But I'm always amazed how they can, are these beautiful pianists that play on the piano, just unbelievable. Watching Adri and Sarah and Jen play this morning, watching our folks play the trumpet. I admire it. How do they take what's on that page and make it like that, you know? You know, uh, it's called work, something I'm not really used to. They have to do that. They have to put a lot of time in the lessons. I want, I want the talent without the lesson. I want, I want to understand something. You know, the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into divers, trials, difficult times, temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. And patience is the strength to face another problem, <laughs> to, to handle it better the next time when it comes. You know, uh, whenever David killed Goliath, and they said, I, I can take him. They said, no, how can you take him? He said, I killed a lion and a bear. You know what those two problems were? There were problems that came with him. They gave him confidence he could face the next thing that God gave him. And the truth of the matter is, God has a purpose Trials come in seasons, and they come for reasons. I'm sure David thought, how long do I have just to run around like a dog being chased? How long do I have to, to continue to wait till God fulfills the dream that, that he gave me that I'm supposed to be a king? I don't feel much like a king right now. I'm hiding out in a cave with my enemy sleeping over there, being chased and badgered and frustrated. But he had a problem that he faced. He had a prayer that fortified him, and he had a purpose that formed him. And that was maturity. All of us ought to ask God, Lord, help me to be strong and mature in the inner man. He said, to the God that performeth all things for me. He's, he's at a work. 
I like the little song we sang as children. He's still working on me. I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. None of us have arrived. We all got issues and challenges. And we need to say, God, I want you to perform your work in me. If it comes through problems and difficulties, then bring it on. Let me embrace them and love you through it. I want you to notice the next thing real quickly in this passage of Scripture. I want you to notice the passion that fixed him. Verse 7. In the midst of all of these problems, would you read verse 7 with me, everyone? My heart is, oh God, my heart is, I will sing and give praise. He said, even in my problems, he said, I'm going to have a passion that fixes my heart. And this is part of our passion for thee. You know, everybody needs to have a passion for God. If you don't have it, you can, you can have it and you need to have it. When he's all that matters, then a lot of other things fix themselves. I think it was Jesus that said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and my righteousness, your righteousness, your ways, my ways. No, his. And then all these other things will be added to you. He fixed himself on how he felt about God. And I think this is something very, very important, especially when problems face you and prayers can fortify you and, and you find yourself uh, struggling with working through the maturing process of problems, is you've got to fix yourself on the Lord. If you fix yourself on this church, this church is a great place. Been here 136 years. But churches are the way of man. They're, they're, they have men as a factor in them. And men, you have three things that help you in your Christian life. Number one, the Word of God. Number two, the Spirit of God. Number three, the Church of God. The Spirit of God is perfect. The Word of God is perfect. The Church of God is not perfect because we go here. So churches, have an, they kind of go up and down. Um, we've had some good years and some bad years at First Baptist Church. And if you live 136 years, you will have the same story we have. Some good years and bad years. And so that, that is true. So you don't, want to put your, 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 you don't want to put your confidence in a church. You want to put it in a Christ. Pastors come and go. I'm one of 16 pastors who have stood behind the pulpit as the senior pastor of this church. So many other vessels have been used of God uh, as assistants and servants of Christ and deacons. and Oh, so this, this church is full of great leaders. But I just get to be the one of the 16 pastors. But one day, there's gonna, I'm not going to longer be your pastor. Just like those who came before me. So you don't want to put your eyes on me. You want to put your eyes a lot higher than me. To the Lord Jesus Christ. Your heart needs to be fixed on him. You know, people whose heart is fixed, you can't shake them. You can't shake them. Because they, they see, I think a great example of that is our brother Bill Hassey. He, you know, he, he was here before Brother Hiles came. Got saved in 1956, I think. He was here, drove a bus before Brother Howes ever, ever was heard of here. Continued to be faithful to the Lord because he kept his eyes on the Lord. You can't shake people whose heart is fixed, who have passion for the Lord. Number two, you can't stop them. You can't stop them. They just they keep on going. Good times and bad times. Quit is not between their ears. They don't think about quitting and they don't quit. They just keep going because they have a heart fixed upon someone who is unmovable. The same yesterday, today, and forever. 
You can't shake them. They don't get terribly nervous about stuff. They don't get stopped by stuff. Problems don't move them. People don't move them. Pride doesn't move them. Like the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 20, he said, none of these things move me. You can't shake them, you can't stop them, and you can't silence them. So my heart is fixed, I will sing and give praise. Listen, as we start another year, I would to God that every one of us would say, God, give me that passion that I can't be shaken from serving the Lord. I can't be stopped and I can't be silenced. I'm going to sing and I'm going to sing and give praise personally to God and publicly before the nations. Look at the next verse, verse number eight, would you please, as we conclude today. Verse eight, the Bible says, Awake up, my glory. Awake psaltery and harp, and I will wake early. Would you read verse number nine out loud with me? I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing. He said, you know what? I'm going to sing personally to you. I'm going to praise you. How many of you have gotten together with God sometime in recent days and just praised his holy name? Grab hold of your steering wheel and say, God, you've been so good to me. You give me a car to drive. You give me a place to, you take your key out of your pocket. You put it in your house and, and you think, God, thank you for this place. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for freedom from sin. Thank you for family and friends and, and an opportunity to serve you. And then publicize that among the people and among the nations. It was a praise that he focused on. This psalmist really gets me, kind of get excited when I think about it. And my heart fixed. I want to be a man and you want to be a Christian. That you cannot shake them, you cannot stop them, and you cannot silence them from living their life to glorify God and give others a good opinion of him. Let's pray together.